How you doing today? This is uh, Bob Z, and with the uh, brand new podcast, but it's, just, it's not really a brand new podcast. We refaced it a little bit. It was unfiltered with Bob Z, uh, and for season two, we come out with a brand new um, name, a brand new slogan. So now you're dealing with Bob Z Uncut. I don't know if that makes me more dangerous or less dangerous, but we're gonna see. And so um, today we have a very special guest in the house. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, being a native of Mermaid City, I'm just so happy to see um, anytime one of us from Mermaid City, we, we get a chance to come out and, and, and run for a statewide office. I'm always pleased. And if it's somebody that I support and I think is a good candidate, then I'm doubly pleased. So I just want you guys to welcome to the show um, City Councilwoman. I'm going to have to Stop getting used to saying city councilwoman and start getting used to saying lieutenant governor. Um, I'm putting my name on it. So um, city councilwoman Andre McClellan, she's running for lieutenant governor for the Commonwealth of Virginia. And so we're going um, to talk about that. So let's just get started. Let's delve right into it. And the last time you were on the show, first season, the first season for our election special, and I named it... Uh, I named each segment, each um, each episode. I named it facts because this this lady she likes to she kicks some good facts, and I, and I appreciate that, particularly coming from um, the political realm. Let's just say that <laughs> the political realm. Um, but so um, now that you've been actively actively engaged in the process, I know last time you were like saying, "Well, I'm forming my," you know, everyone says, "I'm forming my committee," and mm -hmm. da 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 da. But now that you've been actively engaged in the process. Um, why are we voting for you again? <laughs> well, the last time I was here, I think it was in the fall, at a committee, uh, mm -hmm. kicked off the campaign December 1st for lieutenant governor. And I am the only candidate in a pretty crowded Democratic primary field from Hampton Roads. Okay. So somebody who understands what's going on in the 757. I'm the only candidate who understands how cities work, cities and counties work, and at the end of the day, uh, a lot of what happens in Richmond in state government doesn't always translate here mm -hmm. at the local level. So having somebody who has that knowledge and connections is really important. The last person who brought that skill set to the lieutenant governor's role was Tim Kane, who had been on the Richmond City Council and Richmond mayor. He did a pretty good job and uh, hoped to follow suit. Uh, you know, the, th the third thing is I, I do keep it real. I do bring okay. the facts. And, uh, you know, I think I'm a a pragmatic, practical politician who gets things done and builds coalitions, and that's what I've been doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about the opportunity. I bring a business perspective. That's, that's where I got started uh, out of college. And, uh, you know, I understand also, though, what, it, what, it, what the issues are on the ground. And I, I think what you and I, what you've seen for me right, right. is that, you know, I, I really want to listen to people and I want to make people's lives better at the end of the day. And that's why I'm running. Well, well I, I, I truly believe that what I'm hearing the most, and I'm hearing it from all different sectors, and I'm, I'm kind of a, I told you so, kind of guy. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, that's just me. <laughs> and it's like, she's progressive. And like, I told you so. I told you so. And, and as far as um, 
you know, I, I remember being in dire, like different circumstances. I'm not going into all of that, but and I was and I couldn't turn to anyone. I turned to um, this lady right here, and she was like, "This is what you need to do." And I was like, "Wow, wow!" It just it blew my mind. And so, before, I mean, I could go on. I'm not gonna keep on, but I mean, facts. You know, it's facts. That's 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 what happened. Well, listen. I mean, you know, the whole term progressive is is a complicated one, right? If you mm. want progress which is what right. I, I strive to do, I'm progressive, right? right? And, and at the end of the day, I, I just want to, I want to make, you know, my theme of my campaign is creating more equitable access to opportunity. Okay. Everybody wants a pathway to success. So whether it's, you want a good job, a good paying job, a fair job, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. If you want to make sure that your kids have a good education and that you have affordable housing that's quality or you have access to public transit, those are all the things that I've been doing and what I want to do at the state level. And, you know, we have some issues here in the Mermaid City, and I've been trying to tackle those. Um, yeah. And uh, but those same issues exist in all of our communities throughout the Commonwealth. They do, and even with when we think about, I think people were running away from the term liberal, and as a little kid, I know it's just like liberal or conservative, and I say, is the root word of liberal liberty? And I was like, what's wrong with that? So when you say progress for progressive, I'm like, okay, can't make um, can't make those words uh you know, uh, I guess, dirty words to, to say it because it's not. Um, okay, I try to do my due diligence. I try to do some, um, some research. Usually, sometimes I get all into like, I know, I know, but I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research. So I found out that the official responsibility, and this is coming from the, the state's website, the official responsibility of the lieutenant governor are set forth in Article 5, of the Constitution of Virginia. I, I, that's my constitutional voice. Uh, Nicely done. Uh, according to the Constitution of Virginia, the Lieutenant Governor's official duties are to serve as President of the Senate and preside over the Senate. Other than the official uh, verbiage, how do you see the importance of this particular office? Yeah, so when I try and talk, first of all, nobody knows what a Lieutenant Governor is. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's pretty wide, uh, open question oftentimes. So it's, it's akin to the vice president, right? You are second in command. If anything should have happened to the governor, God forbid, you, you enter that role. You take on the role of governor. Uh, you preside over the Senate. And, and in Virginia, our General Assembly meets for either 45 days or 60 days a year. And uh, you gavel in and gavel out. And if there are any ties in the Senate, just as in the, in the United States Senate, you right. break those ties. Outside of that, you got some roles on some boards, the Virginia Economic Development Partnership, the Virginia Tourism Authority. It's really it's supposed to be part time, just like city council, part time. I I I'd make it full time, and you have a statewide platform to to make as whatever you want with it. And I have a couple of ideas on what I do, but you you seem to be the you have some more questions there. I could tell. Well, so it's like Kamala Jr. <laughs> I do have a Kamala outfit on right now. I'm just going to say. Where your chucks at, man? I, I, I know. I, I, I do have a pair. Okay. Okay. Well, chucks and pearls. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Uh, this, this next question is a two-parter. And I think, you know, um, on a state level, I mean, I think, I think even on a national level, redistricting, Redistricting is like mm-hmm. the number one thing that's come almost like um, you don't know where you got the virus from. Did the, you know, did the virus come from the cold or, you know, so, but redistricting, redistric, excuse me, redistricting. It's that's one of say. those words for me, yeah. 
Um, when you have the majority party in um, state uh, House of Delegates and uh, the state Senate, so um, they get to draw the lines, I guess, for example, if, if you're going to uh, say, well, Norfolk should be, and the way Norfolk is cut up is kind of, uh, it reminds me of growing up as a kid here, kind of like, you know, it's like on this side of the tracks, or you have East, we're in East Main Street, but once you cross Granby Street, it's West. Yeah. You know, and then you have um, North, and you have, of course, the southern part. But the question is, why is redistricting uh, a good or bad idea? And in addition to that, this is, and this is something that's kind of like, you know, personal to me, because we went through it in Norfolk years ago when they finally went to the ward system. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, some of the localities um, in the Commonwealth, they have um, at-large at seats. Mm -hmm. And so what that does historically is just like, you know, it's, it's another way of suppressing the vote when when you don't have districts or wards. So um, those are the two questions. One is the redistricting, and the other one is uh, what do you think about, and I don't know if the lieutenant governor has the power to conquer all those things, but I just want to hear your opinion. Sure, sure. So redistricting happens uh, once every 10 years in Virginia, and it comes after the census. So 2021 is the year that it's supposed to happen. Now, unfortunately, the census data is late because of the past administration was right, right. the past administration. I know, I know what happened. Yeah. They can, yes, let's just put that in the past. But so we are going to uh, be looking at uh, new districts. And so, so what you ideally want is you want districts that are um, compact and contiguous. So we have districts, for example, the Senate District 6 that- Did you say contiguous? Contiguous, side by side, okay. next right. to each other. Yeah, I'm not and gonna, all, I'm, or, not or, gonna or, I'm not gonna like I know everything. So, so, so listen, so Senate, Senate District 6 okay. that Linwood Lewis holds, mm -hmm. he represents the entire Eastern Shore, okay. half of Norfolk, and then it goes up to Matthews County. Mm. It, they don't even touch. Is they're not the even Northern connected. Neck? Where's Matthews County? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Northern but they're not even touching. Mm -hmm. They're not. They're not connected. So contiguous means all, all one, and compact means wow. that it's not like spread out. Okay. So you can't get to all of it. So that's what redistricting should do. Is it should create that. Uh, now the the issue has been, and this is the, where the politics comes in. Okay. Is that it's the politicians have dra drawn their districts mm. instead of the voters drawing their districts. And so there is a, had been a move for many years, and I was part of it, called One Virginia 2021, leading up to 2021, where we had been trying to get a nonpartisan redistricting commission created where you didn't have the politicians in the room. There was a compromise. When the Republicans were still in charge and the Democrats compromised, and they created a system that was half citizens and half legislators. Mm. And... In 29, and it had to get voted on two years in a row to be in the Constitution. Okay, so it had to be voted on two years in a row, and then it had to go on the ballot, which happened this past November, to be instituted in the Constitution. So legislators voted for it in 2019, and in 2020, when the Democrats then had power, they said, wait a second, maybe we don't like this anymore. Mm. But then so there's just a lot of confusion. So listen, it's not great what they passed, it's not perfect. I'm hoping that this will be better and they'll get it right. And now they're in this process of trying to go through this whole commission. It's very complex, but here's what's going to happen. And this is, I mean, this is way too in the weeds, folks. I'm so sorry. But if you're in a delegate seat, that's, they run every two years. Right. 
for this November because they didn't have their act together with the last administration. They're not going to have the numbers in time, so they can't create the redistricting. So they're going to have to run on their old districts mm. in 2021. And it's very likely they're going to have to run again in 2022 on their new districts and yet again in 2023. So they are gonna have to run three years in a row. It's going to be a mess. Mm. So that's why is it important? Because you want legislators that live where you are, know where you are, are part of your community when it's too broad and too gerrymandered and they, they just pack, pack in various districts. Right. Issues. That's number one. Number two is uh, at a local level, municipalities, how should those be elected, whether it's a board of supervisors or a city council? Mm-hmm. It, you know, if, if a city or a municipality is large enough, I think absolutely there should be districts. It's too onerous. It's too difficult right. for people right. to run citywide. It's, 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 way, it's very costly. It's very, very difficult. And it limits how many people could be there. So, but I would say, though, it really depends on the size of the municipality. Right. So right. in that regard, I would really leave it up to the municipalities. Here's right. the thing, though. Again, I'm the only candidate running mm-hmm. who understands how things work at the local level. And I think that is one of the things that where I really differentiate in this in this race. Okay, okay. Well, um, I get that. I get that a hundred percent. And you know, I guess if you have a little a little county, then you know, it won't matter. But you have twelve thousand people in the yeah. county. But if you're talking if you're talking the seven cities, I mean, yeah. you know, each city is you know is is is, is a huge city. They they don't even have. They, it's not even a county. I used to advocate for the county of Hampton Roads. And just have like the like the borough of New York, yeah, and yeah. you know, just have um, you know, each city have their own decision making board. But and the way Norfolk and Virginia Beach go, it is it's not going to never happen. But oh, don't say never say never. That's one of the things I'm really proud of, though, is uh, on the city council, I really tried to think regionally, mm-hmm. right? That we could work together, whether it's, it's our regional broadband ring, it's it's tackling economic development, tackling flooding issues. Um, I serve on the regional transit board because right. bus systems, you can't just have Norfolk have one system and Virginia Beach has another and Chesapeake has another because people are living in one place and working in other places. So we brought the first ever regional funding to Hampton Roads to deal with our bus system. So anyway, I think we need to, don't give up on the regional aspect. I'm not, it's just, I saw the rendering for the casino the other day mm. in Norfolk and I was like, see, if Virginia Beach would have just had you know the, the 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 light rail to the oceanfront, and I'm thinking regionally because I'm thinking like, what a destination that would be if like you know for the summer, you could go down to the oceanfront and spend time, and then you had the casino downtown. I mean, but that's that's just me. But one thing I want to kind of segue a little bit mm-hmm. because we don't you know have we could do this all day, but I know we don't have we have limited time. You gotta you gotta get out here and. And shake some hand, um, pound some, some flesh, yep, kiss some babies, all that. Only with a mask on. Only with the mask on. As a union guy, now I worked at the union um, along with my producer, Mike Pittman. I, I worked, we worked in the union together. And as a union guy, that was the only time that I saw equity and fairness from the perspective of a working man. And uh, SB 939 was, was passed into law. Uh, which allowed local governments to um, bargain collectively with unions. And what that, what that actually means is that, okay, when I lived in D.C., they had uh, ASME, which is American uh, Municipal uh, Government Employees Union. And so I believe that um, with respect to personnel issues and the protections that it that allows, because 
one thing when we have a city we have our city council but the city manager actually deals with the personnel issues correct and so one of the things that are in play i know uh, when i worked for the city and i had i had an issue they were saying well the first person you need to go talk to is your supervisor and i was like but suppose that's the person that's harassing me right <laughs> that's crazy and we had no fallback so basically long story short how do you feel about um, you know um, this bill, and how do you feel about um, the, the, some of the local governments that have pretty much enjoyed no oversight mm -hmm. from the city council as far as um, personnel issues? Well, I, listen, I think it's exciting that we've gotten to the point where this legislation was passed. Um, it is. Our sister city, Alexandria, just passed legislation to, to start it we are we are looking at it in norfolk as well um it's it's complicated uh it's going to cost the city some money but at the end of the day it's the right thing to do to provide a voice to the workers i mean listen we have five thousand six thousand employees the most important asset that we have in our city is our employees and so we've got to make sure that they have that voice and have that ability so i mean i'm in favor of it but it's going to be complicated and it's going to cost some money but it's the right thing to do. Well, I, I think it, it may cost some money on the front end to um, allow collective bargaining. But when you have uh, satisfied employees, you have less turnover, yes. you have less training costs, you have less cost of human resources. Absolutely. So it, you know, and, and you, you, um, when you show that you value employees, it's, it's always a win-win. So it's just, I think it's more or less the um, the mindset that I, has to be changed. I think so. I mean, this is. You know, we often talk about capital improvement projects, but we forget to talk about human capital improvement projects. Right. And right, so we got to exactly. work on that. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I, you know, this budget that we're contemplating right now does provide for a 3% increase across the board for all employees. We're increasing public safety pay. Um, it's, you know, it, it's tough. It, coming out of this pandemic, it's oh, not yeah, been yeah, easy. It's, it's a little tough. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, another good segue. As we move towards, uh, I, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to go there, but I know uh -oh. that they were saying, like, okay, we're going to wait till 2024 to legalize marijuana. And then the governor was like, nah, July. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm not saying that for me personally, but I was happy for uh, on, 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 on a lot of different um, scales because of, um, um, and, and, and this kind of a state issue is where it is a state issue. What would you like to see done to ensure? that the disaffected communities that have suffered, because I know a lot of communities uh, suffer under these marijuana laws, you know, they really suffer, and I call them weed laws, and it includes um, the, the states, you know, as far as the state's ability to tax this industry, you know, where are we gonna, you know, all the people, you know, it's almost like, I guess, um, all these people were arrested, all these people were stopped and pulled over, and so now that it's gonna be legal, you know, who's going to be the um, beneficiary, yeah. right, as far as like, okay, are we going to be in a, a minority-owned uh, dispensaries mm -hmm. or, you know, you know, that's the people who are di directly affected. And um, the other big piece of that is, is the drug testing piece. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, if it's legal, you know, I mean, when you go and get a job, they don't say, well, I'm going to test to see if you drank last night. So, I mean, how is that going to affect employment? So it's, it's still some, some loose ends. What do you stand on all those? Well, listen, I think, 
first of all, I mean, the war on drugs never worked. Let's, uh, let's, let's start with there, right? right? That was awful. And it, 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 and, it, and it resulted in a lot of people of color being incarcerated. And now that's on their records. And so I think getting to one of the questions that you have, the idea of expungement of past offenses, I think that absolutely needs to be considered and hope gets that, that gets passed in the General Assembly. I, I support that for sure. Um, in terms of, listen, I'm, I'm thrilled that we're going ahead with legalization now because, again, it is this idea of uh, incarcerating people, fining people, people of color have disproportionately been affected by this issue. Right. So this is the right thing to do. But it's complicated. How do we get to this whole issue of who gets licenses, where does it, you know, what's the taxation, et cetera. So we weren't ready yet. So I think it's going to, I'd like to see it done before 2024, but it's going to take some time. But we absolutely need to make sure that the people have, a, have an equity lens as we think about who's going to benefit from this. Mm-hmm. Who's going to make money? Is it just going to be big white pharma companies? Right. Or is it going to be folks in our communities You've got to make sure it's accessible. The licenses are accessible and they're not too expensive. I worry that we're going to get really excited about the taxes and tax too much. And mm. then you just basically, you don't get rid of the black market. So you got to be careful there on how that happens as well. Um, so it's, it's complicated. But the good news is, good news, bad news. Virginia isn't first, but we can watch and look at what other states where they've done it well. And, we've, and we hopefully we'll do the right thing. Right. And, and, and in addition to what you're saying, it's, it's almost kind of like when you think about, I, I think when people say, okay, yeah, it's going to be July. I think people are, and it's going to take us to our next question. People just, you know, tired of being arrested and harassed. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like a trade-off. I mean, we don't want to see. It's a criminal none, justice issue. None of, yeah. It's not just a amount of like, you know, people want right. to enjoy marijuana. It's a criminal justice issue. Plain yeah. and simple. You said it's a criminal justice issue. Yeah. Yeah, and not only, like I said, one of the things that, that we may um, we may deal with is that, you know, uh, I guess I don't want to see another person pulled over, and, and, and this kind of just takes us to our next question. It's like probably the most perplexing uh, issue, even on a, a, a local, a state, or a federal level, is, is what, what's going on. In policing, it's, it's the city, it's the Commonwealth, it's the nation. You know, it's what's going on as far as um, um, issues in policing. So, um, all these things and the subsequent quilling, killing of unarmed black people, mm-hmm. and, and and I said it again, the subsequent killing of unarmed black people, and and I know it's that's really complicated, but so. Um, Let's just say you had a magic wand. What would you What would you do? Well, I mean, first of all, it's just been a tough, tough time. Mm. And 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 let's just face it this is this has been happening for decades, Rodney centuries, King, yes, right? right? Well, but now we televised have televised right. King, but now yeah. we have cell phone coverage, so we can at least start to see it. Mm. Um, so the outrage is there. You know, it's. It, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's devastating for so many people. I, I worry about the mental health of our community, too, as we see this over and over and over and over again. But magic wand, a um, couple of things. Uh, I would uh, make sure that every municipality had a citizen review panel. I think we need to have independent oversight. 
With subpoena power? With subpoena power. Okay, there we go. That's what I'm, that's what I'm working on. That's what I've asked the mayor and the city manager. That's what I think we need in Norfolk, but I think we need elsewhere as well. I mean, you got to have that oversight. I mean, that's not unlike what you were talking about with collective bargaining too, right? There's, there's right. a theme here. Right, right? So you've got to have accountability at the accountability, end of the day. Accountability, exactly. So yeah. that's number one. Number two is I think our police departments need to be reflective of the communities they serve, right? You, you, can't, you shouldn't be afraid of the department that's supposed to be serving and protecting you. And, mm-hmm. and if, you, if you're going home at the end of the day to the neighborhood that you serve, you're, you're going to be a lot less likely to pull out a gun on somebody because you right. know you go to church with that person. Right. Or you, you, you live down the street from that person. So that's number two is we have to make sure that we're recruiting from our neighborhoods. Exactly. The, the third is we've got, to, we've got to invest in more training. Mm, the training is bad. It, it, it has to be longer. It has to train people on issues of, of mental health, on people with disabilities. Uh, we've got to do better with regard to that as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, we also have to, we have to pay appropriately so we get the right people. Right. And so, you okay. know, it's, it's, uh, it's a very complex issue. Um, but, you know, I just, I, I, I've got three boys. I, I was about to bring, I want to bring your family into this. Way. No, I know you, I know I have, you, I have, I know three, you have sons. Too. I have three boys. I don't have to have the talk with my boys. Yeah. You know, because they're not going to, just because when they get pulled over, they're not going to have to fear right. for their lives. Right. And that should never be the case. And I did have the talk with my sons. I have two sons, and I still, and, and one is 29 and one is 32. And I still, every time, every, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't even like to get a phone call from my mother or anybody from any of their mothers. I'm like, don't, don't call me. But one, one of the things that, that kind of, um, when you talked about, uh, and I tried, to, I tried to bring this proposal to the city, really, I did. With what they're doing with all the housing, why not have a, a policy of workforce housing? Mm-hmm. Where, like you said, if, if you, even if you go and, and look at some of the HUD properties in like Huntersville and Barad Park and mm-hmm. those areas, if you have, um, let's say, a, a policeman, a fireman there, a teacher there, people who actually, yes. you know, if, you're, if, you're, if your teachers live in that community and they go to, their kids go to the school, they're part of that. If your policemen live in a community, they, they really are your streets now because, yes. you know, you, 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 you live there. And so even with um, firemen, and I wanted to open up um, a program uh, for, um, like, teachers at ODU, teachers at TCC, Norfolk State. You know, why not rebuild with them? Because so, we lose so much of our talent and wealth to some of the suburban cities mm-hmm. yeah. that surround Norfolk. So I'm, and I was like, why not have an aggressive, you know, workforce housing policy where, let's say, if it's like if you work for the city for three years or in that position, then... You can forgive some sort of a loan or, or, or you have all, some like FHA. subsidy or, yeah, yeah I, I, all of those things. Right. I, listen, affordable housing, we could have a whole... Three-hour discussion yeah, on this one. It is. It's a huge issue, and it's the missing middle, right? Like, how do you find that's affordable workforce housing? Uh, absolutely, I agree with all those things. I served on the planning commission before I came on city council. Those are the things that we're looking at. We're looking at inclusionary housing. So when we have new apartment buildings and multi-family properties, that there has to be um, there has to be a percentage of affordable housing that's in there. I mean, those are the things we have to be more progressive in our housing policy, without a doubt. Okay, 
Well, um, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know you. you this is um, campaign season, and I, I wish you well. Thank you. And um, so, I can want, I give a plug? Give a plug. Give me your uh, websites, whatever you want. Talk awesome. to us. Awesome. So uh, the uh, the website is Andrea for Virginia A N D R I A F O R Virginia dot com, and uh, you can learn more there. There we go. We call it the A Team. Here we go. Get this on camera here. Hello. Uh, so um, have at it. Yeah, we are. We're we've got a primary June eighth. So uh, anybody can vote. We don't register by party in Virginia. Uh, and you can actually start voting now. We started voting last Friday, and anybody that. can go to their voter registrar's office and vote in person. You can request a ballot uh, up until, I think it's June, oh gosh, maybe. If you go to andreaforvirginia.com slash vote, you can find out all that information. Uh, but we, listen, we need somebody, we need the 757 and the 804. We need to bring... Hampton Roads right. to yeah. the state capitol. And I'm looking forward to doing that and representing proudly. Well, thank you very much, Andrew McClellan, McClellan excuse me, from the 18. There you and go. And I, I wish you well in your campaign. Thanks, Bob. And uh, you guys, we'll see you next time. <laughs>